Hello, everybody. Happy 4th of July, Independence Day. How you doing? I hope you're doing well. Yes, it's 4th of July. It's 521. Almost fireworks time. Boy, what a year. I, I've been reflecting today because of the fact that it's 4th of July and thinking about what this country's been going through. Holy smokes! I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. I'm 57 years old. I went through Watergate. I was really interested at, in it as a kid. Nixon was nothing compared to the, the guy we got in there now. Um, whether you like him or you hate him, boy... What a fiasco. What a fiasco. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm totally, totally against Donald Trump. I think he's uh, malicious, bigoted. I think he uh, abuses women. Uh, he cheats at golf. He has bad hair. And um, he's in love with his daughter. But beyond that... Uh, Happy 4th of friggin' July. Oh, I had a great conversation. I wanted to get this up earlier, but I went to Yosemite about a week ago and I fell and hurt my knee really badly. I was five and a half miles up this mountain with my wife. It was a 3,000 foot elevation mountain. And I fell near the top tweaked my knee so bad I went into shock it could not walk and fortunately I had some of those trekking poles with me and I was able to use them as crutches to get back down it took four and a half hours or something like that I was a wreck and I couldn't walk holy Toledo holy Toledo that's okay I'm still here. You're still here. We're all still here. We're all still here. I had a great talk with uh Couple of people, couple of wonderful people from San Francisco Mime Troupe. No, they are not mimes. They are actors who do politically oriented satire. Yes, indeed. I spoke with Ellen Callis, who uh, runs the place, and Daniel Savio. Daniel Savio. Savio, whatever you want to say. People say it different ways. Do you recognize that name? You might, you might if you're old like me. He's the son of Mario Savio. The Mario Savio, the 1960s activist from Berkeley, California. That's his dad. Well, his, Mario passed away in 1996. He had uh, some heart problems, but Mario Savio, one of the reasons that... Uh, our country has tackled issues in the way that it has on the left for a long time. Thank you, Mario Savio. And I have to tell you, when Daniel walked in the room in this interview, I was a little thrown because I'm telling you, there's, he's a splitting image of his dad. <laughs> he really is. And he's a great guy. When you hear him talk, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. This guy has passion. I felt like I was in the room with Mario Savio, but, and this is no, this is no, this is no diss to Daniel. I mean, Daniel's fantastic. It's just, I'm familiar with Mario Savio and wow, you can tell that Mario uh, somehow instilled some really interesting uh, and 
noble values into his son, I think. And at least that's my interpretation. I could be wrong. But Daniel is the, uh, the composer of the music for San Francisco Mime Troops' brand new show, Treasure Island. It's a musical about Treasure Island in San Francisco. And it deals with a lot of political issues regarding Treasure Island. As all of their shows do. Did you know that Treasure Island is, 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 is like a toxic waste dump? And they're not cleaning it up? And they're trying to cover it up? Yeah, that's right. Well, San Francisco Mime Troop is exposing that situation. And Ellen Callis, the general manager, teacher, writer, director at the collective of San Francisco Mime Troop. They're a collective, which means they have a number of artists who are at the center of all of their productions who work on the scripts, the music, the acting. And sometimes they go outside and get other people, but mostly it's, it's members of the collective. Um, Ellen is a native Chicagoan. She cut her teeth at Second City. She co-founded uh, Hit and Run Theater in 1976, a political sketch comedy troupe that toured rural... Northern California for many years. Since joining the Mime Troupe in 1986, she's worked as a writer on Ripped Van Winkle, Secrets in the Sand, Rats, Back to Normal, a bunch of other shows from Mime Troupe. Um, she's acted in, in Rats at Mime Troupe and Making a Killing. She's done everything you could possibly do at San Francisco Mime Troupe for over 30 years. That's right, 30 years. And our friend... Daniel Savio is the music director, lyricist, and musician in the collective, and he uh, he wrote the music for Treasure Island. He started his professional theater career playing for the San Francisco Mind Troupe, participating in tours for Godfellas and Making the Killing. These are all shows that they did over the years. Um, very talented, very talented young man. Very talented. Um, Daniel plays keyboards for the 808 Band, winner of the 2011 North Bay Bohemian Award for Best Hip-Hop Band, which has backed many hip-hop and reggae performers, including KRS-One, MC Radioactive, and Robert Herrera. He's performed as an improv pianist with the Perennials, the Antic Witties, the Unscripted Theater Company, Sixth Street Improv, and the Midnight Matinee. Daniel has been a, has a BA in music from the University of California at Santa Cruz. Go, what are they? Go, what what the heck? Oh, banana slugs. Go banana slugs. The Santa Cruz banana slugs. And he studied with Bay Area composer Michael Calkin. I had a great time speaking with both of these extremely talented people. If you've never seen the Mime Troupe, you have to go see them. It's a San Francisco stalwart. Is that the right word? The Mime Troupe has been here for so many years. They do such good work. And it's always uh, about what's happening now in our political arena, usually nationally. And But, but Treasure Island is about uh, a political crisis that's happening right now um, regarding Treasure Island in the San Francisco Bay. Treasure Island is the flat part of the island 
in which uh, the San Francisco Bay Bridge passes over. So the flat part is Treasure Island, and then Yerba Buena Island is the part that's the natural island that has all the mountains and all that. Um, Treasure Island Island is flat because it's just landfill. It's sand. They just piled a bunch of sand in the in the bay until it got high enough where they could build on it and put some walls under the under the uh, water there. And there are some problems, and that's what the show is, is about. Uh, they open today at 2 p.m., which means that the show, it's 5.30 right now. So the first performance is probably over. And that was at Dolores, uh, Dolores Park, San Francisco. But tomorrow, tomorrow, not tomorrow, tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, they're going to be at the John Hinkle Amphitheater in Berkeley. 41 Somerset Place in Berkeley. And then they're going to be all over the Bay Area through, and Sacramento, excuse me, and Nevada through, through September. Yeah, through the first week of September. So don't miss it. Go to their website at uh, sfmt.org to get the schedule. All right. Without any further ado, I bring you Ellen Collis and uh, Daniel Savio. Thirty-three years on Bastille Day. Bastille Day. Yeah, Are you French? No, I'm uh, Greek, actually. You're Greek. But I, I landed here on Bastille Day. Oh, okay. Just quite by accident. And uh, suddenly here it is 33 years later. Yeah. Uh, so. And it's the Mime Troops' 60-year anniversary? It's our 60th year. It started in 1959. as kind of an avant-garde performance art troupe that just kind of morphed into something completely different. I've always been curious, where did they get the name Mime Troop? Well, it's, um, it is, um, in the original days, Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Nice to meet you. Come nice join us. We're just talking about uh, the Mime Troop and Terrific. a little Come bit sit. of the history, then we can talk about Treasure Island. Yeah. Um, so in the very early days, it was uh, Ronald, Ron, Ronald, Ronald, <laughs> Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Ronald Reagan started yeah. the mantra. Uh, Archie Davis, Ron Davis, was the one that started it, and he had studied some classical mime in Paris. But when he came, when he started the troupe, it was originally the R.G. Davis mime troupe. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of performance art and really avant-garde kind of like movement pieces. So it was more of that, that. And it was never really pantomime, although in the early days it was kind of derivative of that. Yeah. But then it, uh-oh, things are falling. <laughs> it's the ghost of Ronnie. <laughs> and he's not even dead. <laughs> but then, um, and then it, it kind of shifted a little bit and became more uh, rooted in the classic... Um, popular theater modes like Commedia dell'arte and then eventually American melodrama and just popular theater forms and the point is that people can relate to it it's not theater that's created for the elite mm-hmm. you know it's created for the uh, populace you know basically Commedia dell'arte out of the Renaissance they go into a, a town square 
and set up and everybody had their stock characters that they would play and they kind of filter the information in like who's the mayor in town who's the crook you know what's the big scandal give us the dirt and they would kind of filter all that stuff through their lens and perform in the marketplace and those characters because they were archetypes you know the bully you know the the cheat you know the lusty characters the lovers you know they were all very articulated and familiar so people that didn't have that kind of sophisticated theatrical experience could relate to it, mm-hmm. you know, popular theater. Yeah. And so it, those forms continue today, you know, and those archetypes continue today. You see them in cartoons, in sitcoms. I mean, it's just classic stuff. It doesn't go away. You know, I've, I, I actually had an experience in India. Well, oh my gosh, I should turn that off. Is <laughs> that an experience in India? Yeah, many years ago, we were over there doing a project, a collaboration with the Mime Troupe and a bunch of South Asian theater companies and about 11 o'clock at night I heard this music and I followed it and uh, down the street and there was this thing called the Jatra which is Indian uh, popular theater and I walked into this place where there were about a thousand guys smoking beaties it was and, <laughs> and this thrust stage and there was this comedy happening and even though I didn't speak Bengali which is what they spoke in that area um, I could completely understand what was going on because of the character archetypes, yeah. you know, and it was the, the lover that was being forced to marry this guy who was her father's, you know, um, flunky, you know, and she was really in love with this guy over here, and it was broad, and I thought, you know, I know exactly what's happening here. Yeah. So that's basically... You have the villain, you have the hero, you have the lovers. The lovers, right. The, uh, the, you know, it's the servants and masters. Servants you know? and masters. You know, and it's all... Different status. It's class. Yeah. And it all comes back to class. Yeah. You know, no matter what story we tell, it all seems to come back to that, you know, mm-hmm. those that have and those that want more yeah. <laughs> and those that have less in spite because of it, you know, so. And uh, do you often, you often uh, fit current political situations into your shows, right? That's what we do. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's where the big turning point for the troupe was, I think, in the early 60s, because mm-hmm. they were doing a lot of adaptive work from, you know, kind of Moliere kind of stuff. Um, and then I think the big turning point was when they did La Militaire, which, and they kind of put the Vietnam War on top of that. So um, that's where the shift really became apparent. And then it was much more overt. And then in 1970, when the group became a collective, uh, the shows became uh, not so much adaptive, but original. Mm. You know? Yeah. So. You know, one of the first ones was, um, what's it called? Oh, you know, right out the brain. But it was about, it was a melodrama, American melodrama, and it flipped the roles so that the the villain was actually a feminist, you know, trying to take this poor woman away from her husband and all that. And so that was 1970. That was the same time the, the group collectivized. But that was, you know, at the height of the women's movement. Yeah. So... Interesting. Yeah, I, I, it's um, it's amazing how the archetypes uh, of you know human behavior never change. Yeah. For thousands and thousousands of years. Yeah. Well, we I got mean, we got of one nature, of the biggest no archetypes in the in the White House right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. What would you call him? Uh, I'd say he's a Capitano. Uh, for really? Sure. I was gonna say he's a little bit more of a uh, Zani. 
It's the well, no, I guess it is kind of, it, the the big belly, the um, the Falstaff character. Yeah, is yeah. that Capitano? Yeah, it's Capitano. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and well, who are you? Could you uh, introduce? Uh, yeah, you? my name is Daniel Savio, yeah. uh, and um, I'm I'm a collective member with the Mime Troupe, and I've I've been uh, keyboardist and band leader for the last five years, and this is the first year that I am the lyricist. So I'm I'm writing songs for Treasure Island. For Treasure Island, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. And how's that going? Have you enjoyed that? Yeah, very, very much enjoy. I mean, um, uh, you know, without meaning to get too sappy, it's it's uh, it, this is this has been my ambition, um, not only to write lyrics for theater, but specifically to write lyrics for the mime troupe. Um, it's been my ambition for a very long time. So it's, this is uh, the, a dream come true, literally. Um, yeah, it, and it's going really well. We we've, we've been making great progress. Uh, uh, say in some ways we're actually a little ahead uh, this year in rehearsals by comparison to where we've been sometimes um, and the show has a lot of music this year which I like um, sometimes our shows call for less music sometimes they call for m- more music this one uh, you know it's a pirate show um, it's a very uh, uh, it's an information heavy show but it's also um, uh, it's it's an entertainment um, uh, to 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 some extent to some large extent so it seemed appropriate that there should be a lot of music in this year's show so that's the direction we've been going. What's the story? What is the story? Uh, so the story is that uh, Treasure Island in San Francisco Bay is really not fit for human habitation as a result of contamination from years uh, of naval base and, and other stuff. Um, and uh, uh, the, the, you know, in a nutshell, what this year's show is about is environmental justice, that, that uh, um, as the climate changes due to human activity and also as a result of other uh, uh, infringements on our healthy environment by ourselves. Um, and gentrification. And gentrification. Uh, uh, that the nicest places to live in the Bay, you can only live if you have a lot of money. And if you don't have a lot of money, you're more and more being relegated to places that are not only not so nice, but also are really desperately unhealthy. Is Treasure Island actually unhealthy to live in? It is, yes. Uh, Treasure Island is uh, radioactive and contaminated with other toxins. Um, And then in addition, it's also uh, geologically very unstable. If there is a powerful earthquake, Treasure Island is going to collapse. Yeah. Um, It's a model of liquefaction. Yeah. Because it's built on sand. It's It's just a a giant pile of sand. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, Yerba Buena Island is the actual natural. It's a real island. Yeah. It's a big rock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a fabricated island. Treasure Island is a flat piece yeah. of land. That's yeah, right. basically a sandbar. Did they, did they originally make it for the World's Fair yeah. or something like that? Yeah, is that what yeah. It was? Okay. yeah. yeah. But the, they've but they've they've been doing a c- chemical uh, industry out there for years, and then the fire department. That's was out right. There for and a long but time then also the Navy has said repeatedly, "Oh, we cleaned it up." Mm. But just like Hunter's Point, they, they've never yeah, successfully yeah. cleaned it up, and it's highly questionable whether it can be cleaned up, um, at least with current technology. And right out and out there right now, they only have low low cost housing. If I, I think that's basically Artists right. And, and people, you know, families that have been forced into homelessness. You know that yeah. there. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good people out there trying really hard to to remedy the housing situation, 
but it's, you know, environmental justice. But do you put these poor people out there in this place, you know, that's not livable and because there's no other place to live? They can't afford to live anywhere else. Yeah. They're put, literally pushed out of the city onto a toxic heap. And now they're being now they're looking at, at being kicked out even of there, so that more luxury homes can be built on this island that is going to collapse and that is full of radioactivity. And that as uh, climate change continues and the sea level rises, that radioactivity is going to go into the bay. I see. Yeah. And the bay is already pretty polluted. Oh. I mean, you know. If you ever have the opportunity to look at a map, a military map of the bay, sailors have them a lot. Um, there are huge oil drums full of toxins just kind of laying on the bottom of the bay all over the place. You know, and if you're a sailor out in the bay and you and you really do some serious navigation around, you have to, like, know where you're going. But, you know, it's serious stuff. And there's all those Navy and Army, mostly Navy places, bases around the bay, Alameda, Mare Island, all over the place. Richmond. And, you know, it's just, this is like the tip of the proverbial iceberg, you know. And they're building, you know, just like in Bayview Hunters Point, they're building these luxury homes up there, telling people that they're safe. But this whole, you know, the whole expose about Tetratech, you know, that happened last year with them falsifying their reports. So it's real stuff, and it's something that people really need to wake up and pay attention to because... You know, we're not living in a pristine area, you know, and unfortunately, you know, a, re a recurring theme in all our plays is the evil monster of greed yeah. that, you know, and what people will do for money without regards to anybody else. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be hyper vigilant. It really is all over the bay. I mean, e even uh, where I live in, in Richmond, in the East Bay, uh, there's this really quite lovely trail called the Bay Trail that, that runs, uh, I'm not exactly sure where it starts, but you can walk all the way from uh, uh, Point Isabel Dog Park all the way up past where I live, uh, up up towards, um, what's up there, Pinole, Pinole. that direction. Um, there are places along it where there's signs posted that say, Warning, radioactivity. Really? Um, wow. I mean, it's usually, you know, on the other side of the fence, right? Don't, don't, here's, here's your path, here's the fence, here's a yeah. sign that says, don't cross this fence, because on the other side of the fence is radioactivity, as if the like fence... Like, it just stays there, is, right? Yeah, you know, right? It's like, oh, we won't go by on the fence, you know, it's crazy. It's so hard to get rid of, apparently. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's kind impossible. Of like wait for it to, uh, it, for its half-life It disappears to over hundreds of years or yeah. something. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm no scientist, I, I have no claims to be a scientist, uh, but uh, it, it it isn't being cleaned up by whatever the Navy no, has and they, done. And, you know, and they talk about encapsulation, you know, <laughs> building. But again, that stuff will erode. And as sea level rises, that's going to erode whatever they encapsulate it with. So it's a time bomb. Right. You know. Wow. On that cheery note. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea that there were these problems on Treasure Island. Yeah. Wow. And, when, when we first started to talk about uh, this show... Um, many months ago, uh, at first we were saying, okay, this is going to be a show about climate change, but in trying to narrow down and make it a, a specific story, we found we wanted to, to have some uh, strong local element. Um, and that's how we moved from the generality of climate change, which is kind of way too big to make a, a tight play about um, to, to being about climate justice and using local issues as sort of a microcosm to discuss that because there's similar issues happening 
all over the world, right? Treasure Island is not uh, uh, unique in that sense. Um, so by talking about it here, we're also talking about it in Russia. We're talking about it in India, where then you know all, all over the world. Times Beach like or Three Mile Island or yes. yeah. Diablo Canyon, Chernobyl, Chernobyl. Fukushima. Yeah, they have yeah. that new uh, special on Netflix, the Chernobyl. Chernobyl yeah, incident. people yeah. are saying it's terrifying. Yeah, I haven't it's pretty, watched it. I've gotten about two episodes, three episodes in, and it's just, it's graphic. Really, it's really graphic, wow. and it's pretty. And and the th- and the thing that's so. Dis- particularly disturbing, aside from the, watching the graphic results of radiation poisoning, is just to what lengths they went through to keep it all up from the peop- the truth from the people, yeah. and keep literally the party line. We didn't really find out until recently how bad it was. Yeah. 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 So, talking about local justice issues, you you come from a family, right? That yeah. Has, has that my Berkeley pedigree? Blood, as we say. <laughs> Your father was. Yeah. Yeah, my, my father was Mario Savio, um, who uh, came to some public note in 1964 as part of the uh, free speech movement at UC Berkeley. Um, and uh, you know, he, he never uh, ended up going into public service or, or politics in a big way. He did uh, make a, a run for state senate, uh, which did not get him very far, but uh, um, he, he did try that. Uh, <coughs> But uh, um, he uh, he instilled in me uh, a sense of the importance of uh, community, human community, um, on on many levels. Not only on a, a uh, how do we operate our civilization sort of level, uh, also on a social justice level, and and even almost on what you might think of as like a faith level that um, you know if if I have faith in anything it's human community which doesn't mean faith that human community will always do the right thing because that's obviously not the case but but um, that uh, we place our faith in each other uh, and that's a risk we take sometimes yeah yeah is that reflected in some of your lyrics for this show I think so I think so. Um, you know, when you're writing songs for a play, uh, at least the way that I do it, I wait to see what the writer came up with, and then my songs are usually an attempt to illustrate or illuminate something that they already came up with. So, so uh, if you're looking at uh, you know folk music or pop music, maybe a lot of the time there's like an inner inspiration that is coming from the writer. For me, it's different. For me, it's I'm looking at the characters that Michael Sullivan has invented, um, and and I'm trying to illustrate what's in their hearts, not what's in my own heart. Um, uh, but uh, uh, definitely trying to have songs that uh, uh, illustrate the characters' feelings about what is going on and also that uh, uh, show them making significant decisions uh, that impact their own lives and those around them. Mm-hmm. Great. And, and who is the composer of the, of the music? Yeah, the, the music is being composed by Michael Bello, who uh, also has been with the Mime Troupe quite a long time. He's He's been our musical director for a very long time. Um, and uh, and this year, he and I are collaborating on songs in addition to uh, working out the uh, you know, underscoring and, and all that sort of thing. Another collective member. Yes. And do the actors participate at all in the writing of the we, songs? We write something, we hear them perform it, 
and then we might get feedback and and sometimes it's like eh, this this line doesn't quite work for me or I don't know how to play this line and so then we might go back and do some rewriting um, the songs themselves are not really a collaborative effort in that sense mm-hmm. um, but I definitely get input I mean I I, I uh, I am a huge fan of, of getting input from other people, um, sometimes to the extent that they, they might find it a little annoying. Go write it yourself, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know, it's, it's a pretty collaborative place. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it's the esprit de corps here. You know, everybody has an opinion for better or worse on everything, <laughs> on everything, you know. It's yeah. part of the collective process. But it's important because that way the people, especially when you're doing political theater, I think it's really important that everyone that's participating in it feels like they have a stake in it, that their voice is there. Because you're out there on that stage, you know, and whatever comes out of your mouth, you have to be able to justify and be behind it. It's not like, you know, I'm doing this play and I don't necessarily agree with the politics of it or anything, but it's a gig, you know. It's, yeah. you know, for us... It's not have, like Henry the Fourth by Shakespeare or something when you, you know, you didn't agree with Henry's decisions or something. Right. It doesn't matter at this well, point. Well, you know, and also we try to... I think one of the things we try to do in our plays is um, use the stage as an opportunity to show people various points of view. You know, that you may not agree with these people, but you get an opportunity to see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's really important because we live in a really fractional time right now. It's like people are in their little tribes or cults mm-hmm. or they all listen to the same news channel. And so there's very little actual conversation and discourse of any real kind as opposed to what there used to be, you know. Yeah, that's really changed recently, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. People can't talk anymore about things. No, you know, you turn on any of those news channels and there's a lot of people shouting at each other. Everybody, Everybody's shouting. We live in very shouting times. Well, they got times. rid of the fairness doctrine, yeah. which was a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, it, it used to be... When, when, was, when was that... Uh, Early '80s or something? Uh, are you talking about in the news when they're yeah. supposed to show both sides That's of an right. issue? That's yeah, right. That's right. No longer in the mid '80s, I think. Mid '80s. Yeah. Okay. So when I was a small child, they they got yeah, rid of that, and, and I think that was a huge, huge mistake. I mean, I personally, I think that a, a channel like Fox News basically shouldn't be allowed to operate in the way that it currently does. Or if they do, they should have to be explicitly labeled as entertainment or something like I mean I don't I don't know how exactly you know I'm I'm Mario Savio's son I believe firmly in free speech but I also believe in responsible in, information in, in responsibility <laughs> that's right and and in the truth that that uh, you know if if somebody is lying free speech probably shouldn't cover that not exactly anyway yeah. I mean you, you know there's you, you you have the right to your own opinion. This is uh, I think Al Franken, right? right? You have your right to your opinion, but you don't have your right to your own, own facts, facts yeah, right? That's one of the great lines. So I I, I very much agree with that. Um, Alternative facts. As Alternative Kelly facts. And Conway yeah. Called them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, save us all. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we, when we we live in in this frankly Orwellian society now. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd like a little bit less uh, 1984 and a little bit more Brave New World. At least they had yeah. the good drugs. <laughs> I found it a little bit disorienting. I never thought I'd experience anything like this. Yeah, it's Many crazy. Don't. And you know, it's interesting. I was, we were talking on the way in today, 
watching the behavior of people, whether they're driving or just generally, it seems like since Trump's been in office, it's like he gave permission for everybody to be a jerk. Hmm. So now, like, there's no control anymore. Absolutely. So, you know, it's whether people are, I mean, pulling over on the right side of the road at 90 miles an hour to get by you and then flip you the finger, you know, or whatever, the behavior is just off the rails. And it just seems so bizarre. And it's like there's only, only until people come back together and realize that we have been, you know, on this wild ride duped, you know, because nobody's, nobody's making out on this one, even the people that voted for him. I do think that it started before Trump, though, because, uh, well, in, in two regards. In, on the political side, I think it started with Reagan, that, that Trump is, is the natural result of <laughs> Reagan. It's, it's, yeah, it's tri- trickle-down economics from Reagan to Trump. Uh, but that also, on the sort of uh, personal human interaction side, there is... There, I mean, in a way, this also started, I think, with the 80s. Um, the idea that the only thing of value that we do is generate wealth. And that if, first of all, that if what you do doesn't generate wealth, then it is not of value. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, th- that uh, the only issue of concern regarding people is the wealth they generate. So if you, a lot of the time... These days, and I, maybe things have changed, I don't know. Uh, you ask somebody what they do, and they take you to mean what do they do to earn a living. And sometimes you do mean that. But sometimes what you mean is what do you do to fulfill yourself as a human being and expand who you are? And that might or might not be what you do for money. In well, some cases, well, it what is. What do you do but, to get through the day? Or what do you do to get right? right. It's yeah. So crazy. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you're in the arts and somebody asks that question and you say, well, I'm a director or I'm an actor, they kind of look at you cross eyed. Right. They, well, that's not what I meant. I mean, what do you do for a living? <laughs> well, that is kind of that what I do what that makes you, gives yeah. me life. Uh, yeah, in fact, I mean, myself, I, I am a musician for a living. When I'm not doing the mime troupe, I play in the Catholic Church on Sundays, which for an atheist Jew is a little bit funny, but it, it's a great job. It's a really great job, and the folks there are actually quite lovely. Um, you know, we don't agree on all political issues, but, you know, on issues of poverty and race, we get along just fine, because the Catholics have always been on the right side on those issues for, for decades and decades. They've poverty been on the right absolutely, side. yes. Poverty and race. Some we, other things, I don't we know, disagree we don't on, Yeah, we disagree <laughs> on some other things. That's right. <laughs> but, working that one out. Yeah. So maybe we should uh, talk a little bit about when the show is, and and I'll definitely put that in the notes so everybody mm-hmm. can read it. Mm-hmm. Um, when does it open? July 4th. Treasure Island opens July 4th. Right, Dolores Park. Working back to the Bastille Day that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Our own Bastille Day. It's absolutely. July 4th, Bastille uh, in uh, where? Dolores Park? Dolores, Dolores Park. Park. Dolores Park, Park yeah. July music 4th. What time? Music starts at 1.30. We okay. always start with a half an hour pre-show by the band. Mm-hmm. And then the show starts at 2.00. All right. And there's no intermission. You know, come early because it's really busy on the 4th of July. And yeah. particularly in Dolores Park, which has become such an amazing scene. It's always busy all the time anyway. <laughs> all the time, When yeah. the weather's yeah, good, you crazy. can't even get a spot on the grass. I know, yeah, that's I right. know. And that's there's right. so many different factions, you know. We're over by the soccer fields. I think, mm. no, by the tennis courts. By the tennis courts, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then how long are you going to be there? 
Uh, we're only going to be there one day, okay. and then we start bouncing around. Then we go to the East Bay for two days at Hinkle Park mm-hmm. on the weekend, and then uh, and then we just kind of back, you know, all around the Bay, area. Of Bay mm-hmm. out, you know, and then we travel up north to Point Arena and Ukiah, and then we do little legs like that. But you know, the best thing to do is um, if you can't find a poster, go to our website. Okay, and the schedule's on the website. Yeah, the full schedule's online, www.sfmt.org slash schedule. Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah. All right. Ellen and Dan? Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Okay. It's so much fun when I get the chance to uh, speak with local artists who have really made an impact not only uh, on the in the art scene and the political scene locally, but nationally, uh, two dedicated, extremely talented people. I hope you enjoyed that. And we're going to close out today with a song from uh, from Treasure Island, the show. I hope you get to go see that. If you're in Palo Alto, which I am, they're going to be at uh, Mitchell Park, I think, in a week or two. Check it out. Go to their website. But they're going to be all over the Bay Area. Have a good time. I hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Love one another. Keep your pants on. And uh, you know, you know where I'll see you. I will see you on the boards. Happy Fourth of July, all. Oh, I thought you were going to say pirates. 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 And developers, one and the same lad. Last. We'll send upon ye like a storm on the sea. No mercy, no morals, no shame, lad. Always we be on the lookout for a city that's brimming with gold. Surrender or we'll bring the hook out. Either way, soon your tax breaks will fill up our hold. Tax breaks? That doesn't sound very piratey. Gold, chill boy, there for the taking. Contracts. Contracts? The sharp end of development deals, lad. Oh, for God's We fly in like typhoons to snatch your doubloons. Your public resources we steal, lad. Slashing away regulations till affordable barely be there. Just condos for rich folks' vacations. And we laugh as your citizens drown in despair. God bless Guido.